Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio here in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great today, and I was doing even better yesterday when I was watching the uh, Mizzou takeover on the SEC Network because they were showing the Mizzou versus Kansas game from 2012, and that was probably the happiest I've ever been in my life, so it was bringing back some good <laughs> memories for me last night. I was watching that as well, believe it or not. I was uh, working on the show notes and uh, watching Mizzou-Kansas, so obviously I wasn't getting a lot done on the show notes, but I got to watch Marcus Denman take over in the second half. He, it should have been called the Marcus Denman takeover, <laughs> not the Mizzou takeover of SEC Network. You were definitely right about that. that. That was just such a fun game, and I and watching it back now, this many years later, it was fun. Obviously, the Mizzou stuff is fun, but little things like hearing um, Dickie V talk about Damian Lillard at Weber State, and now he's a you know All NBA guy at in Portland. Just things like that. It it's, makes it fun to go back and look at old games. So I'll just tell the listeners a little bit about what we're doing here. Um, we're two lifelong Mizzou fans who just love talking about the teams, the coaches, the recruiting especially, and uh, anything else Mizzou-related. Um, like you guys listening, we're uh, always just going all over the Internet looking for content, looking for people to engage with and discuss about these different topics. And uh, our goal here with you guys is just sort of curate some of that news that you're getting, um, make it an easy, on-the-go thing for you to listen to. Uh, while you're multitasking or something like that, and to hopefully give some mostly informed opinions about the different uh, news items and do it in a in an entertaining sort of way. Did I miss anything there, Kyle? Nailed it, and I really appreciate that you hashtag content on the show notes. <laughs> you got a hashtag content. Shout out to Sam Snelling of Rock Nation for that one. And so uh, without further ado, we'll just jump into the news. A lot of news this in the last two weeks or so came out with uh, SEC Media Days, and the first thing I want to talk about real quick is the depth chart. The first depth chart of the season was released, so there's always a lot of good things to talk about there. Kyle, what caught your eye as sort of like the things that, that jumped out to you worth worth discussing? Yeah, first of all, it's uh, stocking season, uh, which means that football season is getting really close. Um, SEC Media Days is, is always a uh, fun event to see. Uh, kind of quotes come out and obviously death chart is always really interesting to look at um, nothing like that shocked me on the depth chart but definitely a few things that caught my eye um, and definitely the first thing it was at the quarterback position obviously Drew Locke is about as solid as a starter as I've ever seen in my life but the backup quarterback situation is a little interesting because last year Micah Wilson was the backup for Drew Locke and uh, it looked like uh, Taylor Powell had a really strong spring game, so I kind of expected both of them to have a pretty good shot of breaking the two and three deep, uh, but neither one of them showed up, and uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. is the backup right now for Drew Locke, and Jack Lowry is currently third string, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. struggled quite a bit in the spring game, but um, he was new to the system, so um, cut him some slack there, but so it's good to see that um, you know, he must be doing well because we went out and got him for depth, and um, so he must be playing well. And Scott's a JUCO transfer, Correct. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, uh, at, from Last Chance U itself, East uh, Mississippi. So. Yeah. Community I think College. they won a national championship, didn't they? Yeah, so he's um, got an impressive resume. So Yeah, I know that definitely turned some heads when he committed because he could have pretty much gone wherever he wanted as a transfer. But uh, 
I was happy to see him in Mizzou. Do you think this kind of shows that basically I don't expect him to play very much, but do you think I hope he doesn't play. Right. But do you think it sets it up for this to be his team for the next two years, basically? Um, it's definitely possible. Um, we had a, a pretty big commitment a couple of weeks ago from Connor Bazelak, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, he's definitely going to come in and, and compete for the starting spot um, against uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. or whoever else is going for that spot. But it's definitely a possibility that Lindsey Scott Jr. takes over this team going forward. Um, so that'll be really interesting to watch next year. But as far as this year goes, um, I hope that that race doesn't yeah, matter that, a whole lot right now. That's a good thing. We don't have to worry about that till next year. Mm-hmm. So we'll skip over to the uh, the D line. Um, obviously, this is going to be a position of strength for us, at least hopefully so. I think the the coaches are pretty high on some of these guys. Um, the D tackle position is just rock solid with you know obviously Terry Beckner Jr. Um, and Walter Palmore was a, a little bit of a surprise, um, beating out uh, Jordan Elliott for that that other spot on the on the D line there. Um, I know the coaches love Jordan Elliott. I was going to say, he'll, he'll still play a lot. I yeah, assume. he's just a freak, apparently. Um, so I'm excited about seeing Jordan Elliott kind of come into that spot. I I wouldn't be surprised if he takes over that starting role at some point um, in the season. But I know he's going to get a ton of play no matter what. And I think the, uh, the, the DN position is going to be really important because um, the D tackles will be solid. We'll know that. We, we know that coming into the year. But uh, I think Trey Williams and uh, Chris Turner have quite a bit to, to prove here. Um, if they're not very strong, um, it might be interesting because our passing defense, who knows. So, so it'll be interesting to see how those DNs do. And there's a little bit of flexibility there. Like they can move, move guys from inside to outside a little right. bit. Right, yeah, and I know uh, Caleb Sampson, I think, was originally uh, recruited to play defensive tackle, but he looks like he's moved over to end. Same thing as a, uh, a Cale Byers as well. Looks like he's moved over to the outside. Who am I missing that uh, he's a, a, he's been a young guy that's active on Twitter and stuff that I have been following the last two years that didn't show up? That He played some last year. Um, at the tackle, yeah, is it Kobe Whiteside? Maybe, maybe, because yeah, he, I don't even see him on the on the two deep. Yeah, um, I'll see if I can find him while you're. I might jump back in. Is with he, that you said he's a younger guy. Yeah, you can go on to whatever you had next. I'll, okay. I'll see if I can find that. All right, yeah. So the secondary is probably the biggest question mark of the entire team at this point, and um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. We have a lot of returning players, um, so we've got some pretty serious experience in the secondary, but that might also be a problem considering they were pretty big liability last year and, and the year before that. If you're bringing back the same players that weren't very good. Right, but I think there's definitely uh, some new guys that have come in and, and shown that they are capable, like Adam Sparks um, and Bledsoe and um, Jordan Ulmer, all those guys played a little bit last year. Um, and Terry Petrie, are, yeah, he re- he redshirted last year, but I think that he's got um, some potential some potential to come in and play. Um, Demarcus Acey, you know, I think people know him by some of his penalties and you know, kind of high risk, high reward kind of plays. But um, I think he's got a lot of potential to to be have a pretty solid season. So he played well down the stretch, I would say. Like, <laughs> right. well, the, well, everybody did. The, the games Mizzou was winning in conference at the end of last season, everybody looked good, and mm. he looked good with them. So, right. yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of potential there to to be a strong unit or stronger than we've seen the last couple of years. So. Um, and then Ronnell Perkins moved to linebacker, and I think that'll be kind of an interesting thing to watch. I know that um, Joshua Bledsoe kind of moved maybe to that 
kind of weird linebacker safety hybrid position that they were doing last year. Sounds like Perkins might get a look at that position. Uh, moving on to uh, wide receivers. I mean, we have a f- just full stable of wide receivers and um, kind of headlined by some returning guys. Nate Brown, haven't seen him in a while, um, but I know that he was a pretty excitable player um, at the beginning of his career. Um, Jonathan Johnson, we know what he's all about. And Emmanuel Hall, same thing. Um, those guys are going to be solid. Do you think last year Hall was like, just run fast and we'll throw it right. a long ways? And I think that... He's trying to develop some of those, you know, his route tree, and I think that hopefully he's um, going to be able to do some more things other than just run to the other end of the field and catch the ball. And I know that he had a little bit of issues with, with drops last year as well, so I think that that would be a, a pretty big step for him this year would to uh, run different routes and catch the ball a little more efficiently. But definitely the two deep of the wide receivers are, it stood out to me with um, with Dominic Jacinto. I'm really not sure how to say his last name, but um, kind of an under-recruited guy um, from Missouri. Um, had a really strong spring game, um, but he's I've heard really good things about him, and he's a true freshman that is going to probably see, see the field a lot this year. Rashad Floyd has kind of come on in the last year, and so I think he's going to be a pretty strong player. And then Alex Ofadile is um, a transfer from Oregon who was really, really highly touted out of high school. Do you know offhand how, how many years of eligibility he has left? I think he has two left. Um nice. So he sat out last year, I think, and then so he's going to have two years to uh, to play for Mizzou. And um, I don't know a lot about him, but I I think he's kind of a hands possession guy. So and we definitely uh, could use that. Yeah, though, uh, Harry Ballard not being on there kind of surprised me. Right, but yeah. That was a little surprising. Hopefully he takes that okay. Yeah. <laughs> sees it as a challenge. Yeah, I know. He, I think he's got three years of eligibility, so hopefully he got some more time to uh, – to break in to the uh, the two deep there, um, and then there's some more freshmen that are coming in that didn't have the opportunity to be on this depth chart. But I know Jalen Knox is one of those guys. But there's a there's a couple of true freshman wide receivers that I think we'll we'll see the field this year. Yeah, I don't think we have the like dynamic player that uh, you know heading the wide receivers like we did last year. Mm-hmm. But it's set up to be pretty deep and balanced for the next three years right yeah wide receivers is going to be set for a while and our tight end unit is super strong as well so um, whoever's the quarterback is going to have people throw at there's no doubt about that markel utzi 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 yeah okay that's who that's who i was trying to think of okay yeah he i don't know where he's He's a junior i haven't heard anything about him in a while i know he tore his acl i think his freshman year right six four three oh five you think he'd be useful somewhere but we'll see I yeah, mean, like you said, I'm we're sure so a lot deep of on the guys, interior, though. It's like right. I'm sure a lot of those guys will see the field at some point. Yeah, yeah. No surprises on the O line. Those guys are. Yeah, speaking of our stalwart three oh five. Yeah, just returning players, just absolute studs. They're huge. Um, really, nothing surprising about the O line at all. But those guys have got to be uh, be good going forward um, to keep Drew Lock safe. But I don't have a lot of concern there, to be honest. So. Yeah. I mean, we'll uh, we'll bring it up. The next thing, well, it's I guess it's a perfect segue. None of those offensive linemen made any All SEC teams, which kind of surprised me. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just good as a unit, and no individual can right. like set themselves apart. But um, other players are setting themselves apart. Drew Locke obviously got first team preseason All SEC. That was pretty much expected. Um, 
Corey Fatoni got first team. And Albert Okuebunum. Is that how you pronounce that? I've heard it two different Pretty ways close. on yeah. TV. I think that we know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think sometimes I think some of these watch lists are a little bit of a crapshoot. And I know for a fact some of those offensive linemen deserve to be on these lists and will be on these lists after the season's over, I'm sure. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> just to round it out real quick, Terry Beckner got second team. Um, Tucker McCann got second team. Emmanuel Hall got third team. I think... I would expect Terry Beckner to really fight for a first team spot by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And you could be looking at easily four guys plus those four guys, plus maybe an offensive lineman making Mm -hmm. first team all SEC at the end of the year. Right. And it's, it's usually fairly indicative of how good the team's going to be. If you've got a lot of these guys on, on the list, sometimes it means you've got a lot of experience coming back, uh, a lot of established players coming back. But I don't know if I've ever seen this many guys on, on a list for Mizzou before. So, you know, I sure hope that's a good sign. It means and, and if Crockett's healthy last year, he's on this mm-hmm. preseason All-SEC team as well. Definitely. Uh, Tucker McCann getting second team preseason. Right. I thought it was it was pretty interesting, honestly, both to see Corey Fatoni and Tucker McCann uh, getting on some of these lists. Corey Fatoni first team. That yeah. kind of surprised me a little bit. I know that I think he maybe struggled a little bit at times last year. But I'm happy for Tucker. I mean, I... Yeah, what a turnaround. I am ashamed to admit it now, but I was like one of these people thinking, can Corey Fatoni kick field goals? Oh, absolutely. Um, can uh, Sophie Cunningham kick field goals? <laughs> Yeah, the, the freshman year for Tucker was rough. It was rough for a lot of players on the team, but it was really rough for him. And, yeah. man, I felt for him that first year, but it's really good to see that he's uh, made a turnaround. Hopefully, he was pretty solid last year. Yes. So, uh, hopefully, he, he continues that. So, um, all those guys, plus Therese Hall and Paul Adams and Demaria Crockett, are on watch lists. Um, Drew Locke is on two watch lists for uh, for awards. Terry Beckner Jr. is on three. Therese Hall is on two. So if any of this holds true, like to see all of these players win these awards would be like talking about a 2008 season when Jeremy Macklin was, uh, was you know, winning Boletnikovs. Oh, yeah. Um, Chase. Probably be winning the national championship if all these players are winning yeah. these awards. <laughs> so you can't really take the preseason watch list with too much uh, gusto here. Um, another interesting kind of funny thing that came out of the media days was Drew Locke just talking to everybody, and he didn't hold anything back. He was speaking his mind. He was asked, uh, who was it? that There was a guy for Florida what, what was he talking about? And then I'll find Drew Locke's response to it. Well, C.C. Jefferson was, I believe his name, the guy from Florida, uh, giving some questionable excuses for their pounding, getting pounded at Mizzou last year. Um, in my opinion, Mizzou just absolutely dismantled them from the start of the game to the end. Uh, they just, Florida just got flat out beat. Uh, but his they had ex- a coach on the way out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, his, but his excuse was that uh, taking a shot at the fans saying that the stadium was so quiet that it literally lulled them to sleep and they just lost interest in the game or something. I'm not really sure what exactly what he meant by that, but um, pretty lame excuse. Yeah. So Drew Locke comes back with what I feel like is a pretty logical answer to that. He said uh, he was told about uh, Jefferson's comments and he says, quote, 
well, I'm on offense and he's on defense. It's kind of supposed to be quiet when we're on offense at home. That's how it works. So that's my take on that. And I just thought that was... So good job, Mizzou fans. You're yeah, doing it right. Exactly. That was an amazing quote by Drew, though. I think Yeah. It, there's a couple other things here, too, where it's just like... He could have gone like a diva route almost, but he just went like, hey, this is what I think. And it's perfectly reasonable. And I thought that, that was awesome. Yeah. Because he was also uh, asked about the whole Tom Herman situation with the bowl game against Texas and the touchdown celebration. And I think we all know, we remember uh, that with uh, Tom Herman sort of mocking Drew's touchdown celebration there. And Drew had a nice little quote about that as well. He said, if a head coach, does anyone know how old he is? I don't know. If a head coach at a university like Texas, which is one of the top five programs of all time, is mocking a dance that I do after I throw a touchdown, I think I'm playing some pretty good quarterback right at that time. Probably right. Yep. So he said, uh, I got to do that 44 times last year. (laughs) So we can only hope that he gets to do it 44 times this year. And then the last thing he said was that he was asked about sort of, I'm actually not sure the context what he was asked, but he was uh, kind of voicing some frustrations about how when he says, when, when we play well, it's because the other team didn't play well. It's not because the Missouri Tigers are a good football team. When someone catches a pass, it's because they were wide open. And um, I won't read you the whole thing, but it, when, when they had a better record than us, they were better in the media's eyes. Um, and then Missouri beat them was his whole point. So I think he just kind of shows that he's – he still feels challenged Mm -hmm. and I think that should be easy to do that should be an easy way to feel because of the record they had last year it wasn't anything spectacular but with his individual numbers that he put up you could see him maybe getting a little complacent but it's good to see that he still still feels challenged Mm -hmm. for next year and he wants to prove something he he seems just really comfortable um he he knows that this is his team and uh, he knows he's got one more shot at uh, leaving his legacy here and leaving a legacy of something other than just putting up gaudy stats. Mm-hmm. But I think he understands that uh, a true legacy is, is going to happen when he wins games. And, right. and he's certainly seems like he's poised enough to do that right now. It gets me a little excited. Okay, it gets me a little excited as well. <laughs> All right. So another piece of news is uh, Barry Odom is not going to be calling defensive plays anymore. Uh, he's handed over play calling duties to Ryan Walters. Who do you think this will? You think you will notice it? If if you didn't know this information, do you think you'd say, oh, "I don't think Barry Odom's calling the plays anymore"? I don't think so. Um, I, I think that they'll look similar to last year at the end of the year. I think they'll put pressure on the quarterback of the opposing team. I think they're gonna want to use those those defensive linemen to their advantage as much as they possibly can. Um, Hopefully we can stop the run too, but I, I think it'll look like a similar a similar defense to yeah. last year. I do kind of miss the days when they stopped the run on the way to the quarterback. Yeah, that's something that uh, they used to talk about doing. But either way, if I think we'll talk about this later when we get closer to the season with more preview stuff. But if the if the secondary holds up and can cover for three or four seconds, not even that for two to three seconds then that'll give the defensive line an opportunity to make plays. Mm-hmm. And then only good things can come from that. Um, speaking of the secondary, Caleb Pruitt is officially not on the team. We kind of thought that was probably going to happen. He was on indefinite suspension for a long time, and then now it's just been confirmed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've kind of known that he's probably not coming back for a while now, so we've had to prepare without him. Uh, I think we, I think the defense will miss him uh, to some degree, but I mean, we'll have young guys step up. I think we'll be all right there. All right, and then uh, a couple commitments of note. Uh, Glover Cook and Chris Sheeran. I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about these guys. Can you fill us in a little bit? Yeah, Glover Cook is a guy out of Florida, a running back. Um, he's maybe you know maybe like a Demaria Crockett uh, kind of style. I don't think he's super speedy, super agile, but I definitely think that he will run over you um, if he has that chance. I think he's a North and South runner. Uh, I know that he kind of stirred the pot a little bit with the commitment conversation. Um, kind of in some interviews, he mentioned that he was kind of keeping his options open still, even though he was committed to Missouri. So that'll be something you know, it'll be interesting to watch going forward. If is how uh, steady he is on that commitment, or if he's looking around quite a bit. Um, Chris Sheeran is a cornerback. Um, looks like he's a pretty hard hitter and seems like a passionate player. Um, he seems to be a little more solid on his commitment to Missouri. So I think we can probably expect that he will sign with Missouri in December, probably. I think, um, as you know, as you know, Kyle, but as the listeners will start to realize, I focus more on basketball recruiting because I think in football, it just gets overwhelming. There's too many names, too many guys decommitting or, you know, you don't, and then when they do commit, you don't hear about them a lot of time for two or three years when they're juniors finally making an impact. So um, you'll have to remind me when it comes time for me to know uh, if these were hits or misses. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that would most likely be a hit, uh, no matter what, is Marcus Washington, and uh, he'll be announcing between Mizzou and Ohio State on the August seventh. Seventh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, anybody that pays any attention whatsoever to Missouri recruiting knows who Marcus Washington is. Um, he's a big wide receiver um, from Trinity Catholic in St. Louis. Um, he, I mean, it's been a battle for Marcus Washington, and and Missouri has not have a great track record in St. Louis of the last few years. Um, it's been a real struggle to to get anybody out of St. Louis, much less you know talented players, highly touted players. Especially when Ohio State's in the mix. Especially when Ohio State <laughs> is is genuinely interested and in the mix. Um, so I, I think Missouri's got a great shot here. It seems like they've been really you know the the momentum has shifted in their favor in the last week or two. Um, I think they've got a great shot, and if they can land him and, and hang on to him. It would be huge, and I think it would be huge for um, other guys in the area. I know that you know he's got teammates that have Mizzou offers, and Ira Henry and um, Shamond Cooper, and I, I think you know it's very possible that could start a pretty dramatic domino effect if uh, he does commit to Mizzou on August seventh. So that'll be pretty fun to watch. So we talk about commitments all the time, and unfortunately, we talk about decommitments almost just as often. So I wanted to kind of bring up just that that whole, uh, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but that the aspect of football that is recruiting with teenagers who change their mind, and it seems like it happens a lot in football. But at the same time, I think it, it's important to bring up that offers are kind of the same way, that they work kind of the same way where a coach maybe gives them a an offer that's not committable and I think uh, a lot of people don't really realize that that's even a thing that happens Mm -hmm. yeah it's actually extremely common um that you know Missouri's got 
hundreds of offers out there to kids around the country, but, you know, they'd only take a commitment from, you know, a select few amount of players. Um, so it's it's an interesting game that I think recruiting is you know almost broken at this point. It's mm-hmm. so strange and um, it's kind of shady on both sides. Um, but the coaches are are looking for their the best player they can get, and they've got you know backup guys that you know they they want to be able to say, hey, we offered you back in March, so you know we we, we wanted you all along. Whenever they don't get Plan A, so. Um, they're they're sending offers to people that you know truly couldn't commit if they wanted to, so that it's, it's interesting to see and it's it's weird to you know see players, you know posting top tens and top twelves of you know maybe half of those schools they wouldn't even be able to commit to, so yeah it, it's it's more of a reservation than a commitment, um, so really. You know, it's exciting to see the players commit and everything, but truly signing day is where it really becomes official. And I think as fans, we can just we just have to hope that the Mizzou coaches are doing it the right way and being upfront with the players and being honest. And the, you won't get anywhere by trying to deceive them and stuff like that, because then the word will get around that uh, an offer to your school means nothing. But um, yeah, in any time we lose a recruit that commits to us and flips or something like that there's another one that's doing the same thing from another school to us mm-hmm. so it evens out yeah it, it hurts to to lose guys and um i know one that stands out to me is jafar armstrong a couple of recruiting cycles ago man i loved that kid i thought he had um huge upside and you know it just seemed like he was you know bleeding black and gold and i just i loved him so much and it, it hurt to see him go um you know and on the other side of the spectrum we get demaria crockett you know out of nowhere right before signing day and we're you know so it, yeah, i'm sure right. boise state fans were not happy about oh, that and it goes both ways and you know michael wilson was came in at the same time so you know we see impact players go but we see him come you know that way too so speaking of commitments we've had some commitments of note on the basketball side um not necessarily for mizzou but we'll i guess is yet to be determined how it'll really affect missouri in the long term but um terrence hargrove committed to st louis and marcetus leach committed to iowa state you have any thoughts off the top yeah, I thought Marcetus Leach was an interesting one. Um, I remember seeing him kind of burst onto the scene a couple of years ago, and he had a really impressive tape when he was, I mean, I don't even know, like a sophomore in high school, and he was dunking, doing crazy stuff. Um, so I knew he was going to be a big player. Um, so he's, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I know that he had some injury concerns and maybe some questionable character issues. I'm not really sure, but he completely fell off the map. Uh I also know that when he was bursting onto the scene, Kim Anderson was our coach. So I was kind of like, yeah, we're probably not going to get him anyway. But Right. So. Yeah, I think with him, I mean, he's kind of a strange story because, like you said, he was had some hype surrounding him like as a freshman and a sophomore in high school. Part of that was because he was uh, like a 6'5 freshman. So he was the only one putting up highlights in uh, Poplar Bluff at the time. So... He, according to, you know, the recruiting websites and databases, he had offers from Mizzou, from Kansas. Um, So maybe those weren't committable offers or something like that, like we've been talking about. But uh, for him to end up at Iowa State, it's it's probably a good fit. Um, Same with same with Hargrove. I mean, he he was way more on Conzo Martin's radar than Leach was. So. 
to see him go to St. Louis, it's not not necessarily a good thing because even though he would have been sort of considered a backup option or a plan B, um, it would have been nice to have that plan B there if stuff falls through. Right, we better go get the guys we want now exactly. because the backup plan is not there anymore. Yeah, and I think just the fact that he was a backup plan in most people's eyes kind of speaks to the difference in the mindset between the Kim Anderson era and now the Conzo Martin era because, I mean, he was a guy that if if Kim Anderson recruits him and he's, he's probably headlining the class. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's been such a massive shift in our expectations of who we're going to get. And I feel like every in-state player is a is a player that we can get and, and we'll go for. And I definitely didn't feel that way uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. So hopefully those guys do well. I mean, we're not going to be playing against either one of them. So I hope to uh, keep the Mizzou recruiting strong in the state and out of the state. But uh, other basketball news, um, going back a few weeks, we had the NBA Summer League. We had uh, Jordan Barnett playing, and uh, he was with the Milwaukee Bucks organization. Put up some good numbers. Um, I haven't heard anything. Have you heard anything about uh, yeah, a contract I or mean, anything? He had some nice plays. Had some cool dunks and um, a couple of highlight real plays. Um, I'm not sure that he – you know, had enough consistency of minutes or, or points or anything to um, get on a roster or, or get on the Milwaukee's roster or anything like that. But it's good to see that at least he was, you know, making some plays and doing some things that we're used to seeing him do. Yeah, anytime there's a Mizzou presence in the NBA, obviously you've got it with Michael Porter Jr., but outside of that, especially a guy that was on a Kim Anderson team, that, that can only help help the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Pressey was there. He, I guess, I guess he was there. I heard that he was on the uh, Thunder's team. I never saw anything after that. Yeah, I didn't really hear anything about him. Yeah, um, he was the oldest player on the team. I remember looking at the roster that they tweeted out. He was by far the oldest player. So um, he kind of he he had. I know two years ago he played a full D League season or G League if it was that if it was already that, um, and he was an All Star put up. I want to say 18 points and eight assists a game or something like that. So, I mean, I think he's just destined to be, partly due to his size, he's just destined to be a a D-League or overseas player, which there's nothing wrong with that. Still getting Tigers in the pros. And then uh, to sort of uh, throw a bone to our friends here in Springfield, Alizé Johnson from Missouri State. I know uh, you follow Missouri State more than I do and uh, have been obviously interested in Alizé's career, but he got drafted in the second round and actually picked up a most likely what it will be a one-year guaranteed with a second-year option with the Pacers. Yeah, I watched Alizé a lot in college. Um, Definitely a great prospect. Um, you know, six nine, six ten guy who could kind of do it all and you know bring the ball up and play inside. And uh, he had a really strong uh, summer league, so it's it's good to see um, him. You know, taking advantage of those skills and um, getting Missouri State on the map a little bit there. So good for him. Yeah, and for me as a Pacers fan, I've been a lifelong Pacers fan ever since I watched Reggie Miller play in the early two thousands. Um, it's cool to see a guy that played in Springfield go to my favorite NBA team, and I think actually he fills a pretty good spot, a, f- a good role for them, where if he can just be 
the tenacious rebounder that he showed in the summer league and eventually develop a three-point shot then he could stick Mm -hmm. for sure and the Pacers feel like they got a they got a pretty good almost a steal in the second round and then the last piece of basketball related news here is uh, Michael Porter Jr. having another back surgery obviously not good news but uh, in just a weird situation yeah, this entire thing with Michael Porter Jr. has has been bizarre from the get-go. Um, just the way he came to Mizzou was was strange, and the way leaving was strange, and the whole draft thing. And um, it it sucks to see um, how this has played out, considering just how massive of a talent and a prospect he was coming out of high school. Um, you know, one of the just greatest talents I've ever seen coming out of high school. And the fact that he's in a, in a good spot in Denver with young players, they're building something. They were a few games out of the playoffs this past year. They honestly, they need a three. Mm-hmm. They need somebody to come in at the three spot and produce. And now that now the latest thing I saw was he hopes to play this year. Mm-hmm. That's the timetable is playing sometime during his rookie season, which and, and there's still good. plenty of time for him to recover fully and just, you know, still have an outstanding or at the very least decent NBA career. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just unfortunate as, as huge Mizzou fans that um, this happened to us. But, um, you know, we, we were at the first game, you know, the Iowa State game. We were so excited. I don't think I've game. ever... I, the atmosphere at that time in that building was on par with when I was at the Texas A&M game when Mizzou clinched the SEC East with Henry Josie going into the end zone. That was the same yes. level like of the excitement. The anticipation was unbelievable. And, you know, sure enough, Michael Porter Jr. gets a, a rebound and a putback two minutes into the game, and then we never see him again. And I just remember the crowd, like everybody around us was like, where is he? Like, put him in. Like, what's going on? We were texting people that were not at the game. They were home watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. They were actually getting updates right. from ESPN or whoever. And we, they were like, what are they saying? And they were like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're showing him uh, holding his leg. And they were like, uh, hip, we have no idea. leg. They were saying all kinds of weird stuff. But nobody knew what was going on. And we definitely didn't. It's weird. It is honestly weird to think about it now and how those next two months went when we when everybody was asking questions yes. all the time. They're excruciating two months. Now that we know how it's played out, that's kind of just weird to think about when we just didn't know anything. And we thought, oh, he'll he'll oh, he'll come back for these non-conference games. Oh, mm-hmm. he's he's not traveling with the team to this tournament. Oh, well, if we, he can come back for this home game again, and it just never happened. It just makes it even more bizarre that he came back for two games at yeah. the end of the year and played. Yeah. It's like, it, it, it makes it feel like two different seasons. It almost makes it feel like three different seasons, two minutes of Iowa state, the real season. <laughs> right. And then this weird thing that happened for two games. Oh, at man, the, end. The, the two games at the end were, were really just truly strange. It just didn't, it didn't feel like the same team, especially with Jordan Burnett not being in there in that last game. Right. It was just a Colin different Denlier. team, yeah. different team, completely right. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully the next time we talk about Michael Porter Jr., it's a, it's a positive thing. Hopefully we can dive deep into his first game with the Nuggets and uh, wish him all the best, of course. 
So this time of year in the summer um, is a great time to talk about college basketball recruiting. And that's going to be our main topic today. Um, we just had the Peach Jam. For those of you who don't know, it's the major tournament of the EYBL circuit that Nike puts on. It's uh, the biggest AAU tournament um, in the country each year. And there were a ton of Mizzou recruits playing in it, um, all the top guys. And uh, the number one guy for 2019 from Missouri is E.J. Liddell. Um, he's a 6'7", power forward. He's kind of, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but he was, as a junior, the Gatorade State Player of the Year for Illinois. Um, he's, as far as I can tell, he's been the number one guy on Conzo's list for months. I mean, I don't see anybody mm-hmm. taking that spot away. Right. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit undersized for the power forward position, maybe a little bit. But I can honestly say I don't know if I've ever wanted somebody more than I want EJ Liddell to be a Mizzou Tiger, at least for basketball. You know, I mean, outside of like Michael Porter Jr. or something. But EJ Liddell, just such a well-rounded prospect. Seems like a good kid, but just super talented. So I'd love to uh, love to get him for sure. Yeah, he plays for Bradley Beal Elite um, in the um, EYBL circuit. And uh, in the Peach Jam alone, he put up about 14 points, just under 10 rebounds per game. Didn't shoot the ball well, but um, as you'll see here in a sec, pretty much nobody did in the Peach Jam. Um, What stands out to me just from watching a little bit of film on him is he's a high motor guy, good instincts on both ends. Even though he is undersized, like you said, he still is blocking shots just because he puts himself in that position to help. Um, off and block the shot of a guard going up for a layup or something like that. Honestly, even though he's a top 50 guy, he does not look like a one and done pretty much just because of his size. Mm-hmm. I mean, he actually draws comparisons to Kevin Perrier, except maybe like a, little more uh, the, a rich man's Kevin Perrier, <laughs> if you will. But, yeah. uh, and it, who does he guard in the NBA at six, a, a right. six, seven power forward? Mm-hmm you're going to have to guard threes right. and are you going to be quick enough to guard threes basically but he, he Conzo's trying to make him a cornerstone and like the 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 main guy of this 2019 class and that would just be fantastic I thought I think we've got a pretty realistic shot I know Ohio State is a big player maybe even Illinois um, but I know the big boys are starting to get involved I know Duke watched him at the Peach Jam and I just really hope Kentucky doesn't get involved but I think Mizzou will be in it till the end uh, regardless of who gets involved yeah, Ohio State worries me. He's already got a an official visit lined up for Ohio State, and uh, they they're putting together good classes up there. So they got a great I, coach now. Yes, uh, yeah, they they didn't really skip a beat from their whole coaching change. So I mean, I, I, like you said, I feel good about it too. But uh, you just never know. I mean, I feel like we've seen this. Uh, a lot where uh, a big uh, high level school comes in and kind of just snatches our guy away mm-hmm. so um, but one thing that could help is he's really good friends with Mario McKinney and he's the second guy on my list here he's a 6'2 180 uh, pound combo guard he's right now uh, number 165 in the nation um, which is low I think I think he should be rated higher than that that's from uh, 24-7 sports and uh, he's Plays for Vachon in St. Louis. He, just from watching, you watch him for five minutes, you can see he's an outrageously good athlete. He, he's trying to become a point guard, basically. He's a combo guard, for sure. Um, his handle is fine. In transition, he can 
get to the rim, get pull up from three. His shot looks decent. Again, he's undersized. For a two guard, he's undersized. He's the perfect size for a point guard, I think, in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's physical. He likes getting to the rim. He he's he wants to be a teammate of EJ Liddell in college, which is which I think only helps Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think M- McCar- uh, Mario McKinney is is Missouri to lose at this point if they want him. Um, I think there is a little bit of concern about. You know, his size, getting to the rim won't be as easy at the college level. I think his shot it maybe is a little concerning um, at the college level, but clearly a fantastic athlete. Um, he's, you know, may not be right off the bat his freshman year, but eventually he's going to be finding out how to get to the rim. Yeah, I don't, this, this may be ridiculous, but he seems like maybe a middle class man's Devontae Graham. Okay, I can see that. Like, kind of undersized, <laughs> not really a point guard. Right. And maybe a, four, a four-year player that develops into an all-conference player eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely seems like he's, uh, I don't know, there's something about he's kind of got that swag mm-hmm. a little bit where he, he, he wants to energy to beat you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I, and I think he could be the first domino to fall from Missouri in this recruiting class. I think right. if they if they put the press on and show him that they they really want him in Columbia, I think. Mm-hmm. He's mentioned the the package deal with EJ. I don't I don't think EJ's ever said anything like that. But, right. Well, so in those of things, course, it's know. the lower rated player that's saying, right. "Hey, I might be a package deal." Well, mm-hmm. um, if it's in Missouri, yeah, that'd be great. That would be fantastic. They share offers with K State, which. So does, I think, everybody on this list because K-State literally offers everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think they are a legitimate shot to land both of those guys. I mean, I don't think they will, but I don't think that you can write them off either, though. Yeah, but I don't think Ohio State has a spot for Mario. And if EJ wants to go to Ohio State, he's going to go to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think you're um, right. Yeah. So um, right now, uh, the crystal ball has Mario at 100% Mizzou. Yeah, so, I think that's where he'll end up. Yeah. Whether too. it's with EJ, I don't know, but I think McKinney will be there. Right. Um, you say you're most excited. You really want EJ Liddell. I think Rocket Watts has pretty much stolen my heart for the class of 2019 because I watched his some of his Peach Jam film, and holy cow, this guy is good. He's only number 39 in the country he's 6'2 also listed as a combo guard but I think if I think you you recruit him as a point guard in college he's he plays big and incredibly smooth a great athlete always looks like he's in control he reminds me of a bigger Tiger Campbell from La Lumiere who we got to see in the tournament champions last year who just looked always smooth in control he doesn't have as refined point guard skills as Tiger did, but I, everything else looks like he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a really exciting player, and I would love to see Mizzou get him. Um, he's going to be tough to get out of Michigan. I know that we hired Cornell Mann uh, to be you know, kind of a connection to those Michigan players, um, and I think that if there's anybody that could pull him out of Michigan, it might be him. But it's going to be really, really tough. With I think Michigan and Michigan State both legitimately want Watts, so it'll it'll be interesting to watch. Um, but it I think unlikely, unfortunately. Hope yeah, I'm wrong. yeah, he's from Detroit, so yeah, the Michigan ties are going to be strong. Um, he also is considered 
No, the teams that are considered to be in the lead for him sort of are UConn, Florida State, and Michigan, as well as Missouri. Um, Michigan State's there too. You, you can never count them out. Um, but the fact that UConn and Florida State are so high on his list um, and people think that they have a legitimate chance, he, he's said that he's not afraid of leaving Michigan, the state of Michigan. So that bodes well for Missouri. And just looking at his numbers from PGM, he averaged 24 points, five rebounds, six assists, and he shot 40% from three. He was, uh, of all the guys that we're going to talk about today, he was pretty much the only one shooting well from three point. And I think that translates to the next level. And if you have a point guard in college who's 6'2", in control, gets to the rim and shoots 40% from three, you, you can't ask for anything more than that. And the next guy here, Trey Jackson, um, he's kind of come on the scene a little bit later. I, first, I would put those top three guys, EJ, Mario, and Rocket Watts, in sort of a tier of their own as far as how hard Mizzou's recruiting them. Based mm-hmm. on what I've read and heard, those are the three guys that Mizzou's going the hardest on. Um, don't... <laughs> Don't tell these next guys that because they feel like they are just as good and some of them are ranked higher. Um, but starting out with Trey Jackson, he's uh, 6'8", power forward, 200 pounds. He's right around the 100 mark, depending on which recruiting service you look at. He's going to be playing at Sunrise Christian his senior year in Kansas. He was originally from Detroit, so he's got that same connection. And he's the epitome of a stretch four at the college level. He's also quick enough to guard threes in my opinion he shoots the ball really well he's a good athlete and i think you can kind of see as we go on the type of players that konzo is looking for guys that can defend multiple positions Mm -hmm. and shoot from three we're seeing that over and over positionless basketball is definitely a trend we've been hearing about a lot but uh, he's got offers from oklahoma and xavier he's already set up an official visit to xavier he says mizzou's going to get an official um so it'll be exciting to see when that happens and uh he also averaged uh, double figures in the peach jam also added five rebounds um he's been under recruited so it'll be interesting to see with a lot of these guys how soon they make their cuts how soon they trim their list down if bigger schools jump into the mix but i feel like mizzou's got a good got a good chance of landing him and then uh, a guy that's kind of in the same mold of a player is malik hall who played uh aau for mocan and uh he's also going to be at sunrise christian which is exciting because they're going to be in the tournament of champions this year we'll get to go watch them play do you know much about malik have you heard much about him yeah, I, I mean, I think Kanto Martin really, really likes Malik Hall a lot. Uh, apparently, a lot of people do as well because he's got a massive offer list, some superpowers in the mix. Um, I think that it is going to be very unlikely that we land Malik Hall, but I think if we had a chance at him, I think we'd be going harder on him uh, because I think Kanto Martin would love to have him. Yeah, he's rated a little higher than than Trey Jackson. He, Malik's at 71 in the nation. Um, he's from Wichita, playing at Sunrise Christian. Kansas is in the mix, like you said. Um, I, it'll be hard to keep him out of Lawrence, I think. Right, I, I just don't see that happening, unfortunately. I like Malik Hall a lot, though. He's a good, really solid prospect. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him, hopefully. Uh, he and Trey Jackson, They, I mean... It'll be interesting to see them play on the same team at Sunrise because they kind of have overlapping 
skill sets. Right. But I can see if you're going for this positionless basketball thing, mm-hmm. playing them basically at the three and the four right. interchangeably. I haven't watched a ton of film on either one of them, but I get the feeling, correct me if I'm wrong, that Trey Jackson's maybe a little bit more guard than Malik Hall. He, he seems quicker. I think Malik, he, yeah, he seems like more of your typical four that's really athletic Mm -hmm. um trey jackson just has a uniquely basketball shape about him where he's just super long Mm -hmm. and that just helps with his versatility especially on defense Another guy that's super versatile is Antavian Column. We um, don't know too much about him. Nobody really does. He's been only lightly recruited. He's from Memphis, but he's 6'7". He's listed as a small forward, but everybody's recruiting him as a point guard. So a 6'7 point guard. Can't go wrong there. Yeah, that's weird. I, I, I really don't know much about him at all, but uh, that that is something you don't see very often. Right, and I think legitimately from watching a couple highlight tapes of him, he could guard one through four. At any time, you could switch everything with him. He, I still think he leaves something to be desired as far as pure point guard skills because I, I don't think he's been playing point guard that long. But uh, he played last season uh, for Memphis East with James Wiseman. Um, this year, he's going to be at a different school, a prep school. So um, it's it's hard to tell where teams stand on him. He has kind of a short offer list. He's quiet. Um, the reporters that have been reaching out to him haven't really heard much from him. Mm-hmm. His numbers aren't great, but he just maybe fits that positionless basketball trend well and maybe has potential to fit pretty well somewhere. Yeah, you could see why Konzo would like him. Um, another guy that sort of fell off the radar a little bit from Missouri, but is creeping his way back onto the radar is Isaiah Mosley from Rockbridge in Columbia. He's a 6'5 shooting guard. He's rated, he's ranked 131 in the class of 2019. And uh, he's a guy we've been hearing about for a couple years as being this hometown kid. And then his recruiting recruitment just kind of fell off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of sounded like he might end up at a Tulsa or a Missouri State level school. Um, but yeah, just recently, uh, he's been back on Missouri's radar. He got a um, offer from Mississippi State, so it seems like he might be getting discovered a little bit more as of late. Yeah, I read an article where he said basically he had to re-engage talks with Missouri. They they kind of weren't weren't really texting him as much anymore, and so he took the initiative to start reaching out to them, and then there's kind of a dialogue that started because of that. So um, we'll we'll see there. I mean. You'd hate to miss on a guy that's in your backyard in Columbia playing for Rockbridge, um, and you wouldn't want to ignore him and that cause other Columbia kids to think twice about going to Missouri. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Conzo has to do what's best for the team, and you right. can't just give away a spot to a guy who's not a high major contributor. Right. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. And, yeah, you don't want to blow him off, but you just can't. You can't take guys that aren't good enough to play at that level. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mosley. Again, it's interesting that we're having this conversation now after two years of getting the third and fourth best player in the state every year. Um, Two more recent offers that just went out in the last month. Um, Donovan Williams, a shooting guard from, believe it or not, Missouri City, Texas. Uh, he's a 6'5 shooting guard. He's a really good shooter. He 
uh, Missouri's been talking to them since about June, um, but just now decided to offer after some of the EYBL games that they went and watched. And he's, like I said, he's from Texas, so I think it'll be hard to keep him out of SMU or Texas because the Longhorns have, have offered. So I see him as even more of a backup plan, um, but he's a top 100 guy, and so anytime we can get their attention, I'm all for it. And then the last guy here uh, with a recent offer is C.J. Walker. Uh, don't get too excited, uh, Kyle, because I don't think this guy's coming to Missouri. He's, <laughs> he's really, really good. And uh, he's jumped about 50 spots in the rankings in the last month or so, up to number 47. Actually took EJ Liddell's spot. I wrote down EJ Liddell at number 47 and found out he's actually at number 48 because this guy jumped him. And uh, he's from Orlando. He's incredibly skilled. He's a great shooter at 6'8" a great athlete. His length is like prototypical NBA length. He can block anybody's shot. He's got quick feet. I see him, I would be shocked if he didn't end up at like a Florida or Louisville, something like that. I just don't think at this point, you don't come in this late on top 50 guys and just expect to land them unless Mm -hmm. you're Kentucky. Right. And pull them out of Florida when they've got a Florida offer. Exactly. So you mentioned a little bit, uh, a McKinney Liddell team up. Um, That would be exciting. That's obviously what most Mizzou fans are thinking when they look at this 2019 target list. And uh, I I think it's, it's probably still the most realistic thing, those two guys. So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see how it goes. There's, there's a lot to keep up with. I'm sure we'll probably see some new guys coming to the picture at some point as well. Right. Yeah. the, The further we go with these guys, not announcing things, the more we'll have to see Conzo put the feelers out in different directions and and try to talk to other people if he has bad reads from some of his top guys. But um, I do think we'll start to see some some lists being trimmed even more, some commitments being made. I think uh, a couple guys on the list have talked about trimming their list in at the end of July, so here in the next couple weeks, and then probably committing a lot of these guys want to commit before their senior year of high school ball so they can just focus on that and and be done with the whole recruiting process so it's I love basketball recruiting I think it's fascinating I there's not that many names to keep track of and I love watching basketball so watching high level high school basketball is really fun so um, we'll keep you updated on any movement in these lists if anybody commits I'm sure we're gonna have to be crossing names off before too long because Conzo's going to hold out for the guys he wants, I'm guessing, because he feels like he has a shot at him. So some of these guys are going to go to other places just because they don't want to wait out the Tigers. Mm-hmm. And then to finish up this recruiting uh, deep dive here, we'll take a look at the 2020 guys that Missouri's on. Um, I won't spend too much time on it because a lot can change before we really get going. But uh, most Mizzou fans know about uh, Josh Christopher. He's a cousin of uh, strength and conditioning coach Nicodemus Christopher. He's a legit five-star guy. He's, I think he's number 12 in his class. And, I mean, he's going to be recruited by everybody. So the fact that he has this connection with Nicodemus is pretty awesome, but I wouldn't expect too much to come out of it. He's He's got NBA two-guard size. He shoots the ball really well. He's super athletic. He can handle the ball. Um, but he's from California. 
UCLA's on him. USC is going to be on him. Kentucky's going to be on him. It'll be a fight, and I just don't, I just don't see it, honestly. Yeah, um, it, it's obviously going to be tough. I mean, like you said, he's a genuinely, you know, genuine top ten caliber player in the 2020 class. But um, I mean, the only school he's got an official visit set up to right now is Missouri. But like you said, it's the 2020 class, and a lot's going to happen between now and then. So I'm sure he'll set up other official visits but <clears throat> it definitely gives us an end that we would we'd have no shot at him right otherwise so um i i probably see myself agreeing with you that we probably won't land him but um i think we'll be there till the end yeah it, it's always fun even even when we were just um on uh, jason tatum's list and nobody and everybody knew it wasn't real it was nice to be mentioned. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're going to be mentioned with Josh Christopher and getting a visit and that kind of thing, it, it'll, it'll still make it fun. Um, I, the guy that I really think we should focus on for 2020 is Caleb Love from CBC in St. Louis. He's a 6'3 point guard. And it, in my opinion, if I had to have one or the other right now, or if I was banking on one or the other, it would be Caleb Love because... He's the kind of point guard that I think can just change a program and carry a program. And the way things look right now, he's he's at number 37 in his class. He's still a four-star. I think he's going to get that fifth star before it's all said and done. And uh, I just don't think you can spend too much time on a guy like this. He's from St. Louis. He's truly an elite-level point guard, Mm -hmm. and there's just not very many of those every year. Right, and luckily we had Conzo Martin come in when he did, so he's gonna you know be on Caleb Love from from the get go. Uh, we don't have to come in halfway through and try to make up ground, um, but I think Martin's been working on him pretty hard as it is already. Yeah, and so like the more St. Louis area guys that we can get in ahead of him, I mm-hmm. think that only helps. Right. So yeah, keep an eye on him for sure. Um, try to watch tape of him. It's just he he's been playing up. I mean, he's playing for Bradley Beale and he's been playing with the older guys and taking minutes from guys that are senior or that are going to be seniors. So he, he's definitely the real deal. And then uh, a few other guys to touch on. Moses Moody out of Little Rock. He's a 6'5 shooting guard. Um, it'll be incredibly hard to get him out of Arkansas. Um, he looks like he could work himself into an elite level shooter at, at the next level in college. Um, he's going to get a lot more offers before it's all said and done. He seems like a lock for Arkansas, but then again, Malik Monk seemed like a lock for Arkansas. I wouldn't be surprised if the bigger schools sweep in um, at the last minute, but like you said, it's a good thing that Conzo is on him early and uh, probably going to make him a priority. So we'll we'll see where it goes. He's another guy that will probably end up with a a five-star when it's all said and done, but uh, look for him. Um, A little closer to home, you got Cam Fletcher, who's super exciting. number 43 in his class which is crazy i mean the fact that we're talking about this many top 100 guys from the state of missouri i mean missouri's had really like historic bad luck with matching good recruiting years with success on the court so the fact that we're kind of lining those things up a little bit is exciting Mm -hmm. but uh, fletcher out of a sean uh running mate of um mario mckinney six six shooting guard I think he's, of the 2020 guys, he's the most likely to end up at Mizzou, um, especially if Mario's there. I mean, you're just, that's like a, a perfect teammates. match. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah, and like you mentioned, there's so much talent in the St. Louis area right now in, in basketball and in, in football. You know, I don't know if we could make a living just off of, you know, in-state guys, but with basketball, I think that we could make a living just off guys in our backyard pretty much. Uh, with Kansas City and St. Louis, there's so much talent in-state for basketball in the next couple of classes. So I truly think that we, we couldn't have gotten Conzo Martin at a better time because he's just the perfect guy to go out and, and get those in-state guys, especially St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The last guy I'll touch on here for 2020 is, uh, I'm going to struggle with his name, Luke Kasubke? Kasubke? Something, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> uh, he's another 6'6 shooting guard. He's... Um, I mean, honestly, the Mizzou offer kind of came out of nowhere because he hasn't been really recruited by anybody at the high major level yet. Um, it'll be interesting to see as he gets older and matures more if those offers start flowing in. But I think they will eventually. Yeah. Uh, it's always good <laughs> to be on him early. So, I mean, a lot can change before then, but uh, having the having the scholarship offer out there only helps. And uh, so I kind of want to just end off this whole recruiting conversation with sort of a little game where um, we're going to look at our wish list versus our actual realistic predictions. So we'll go through, um, I'll set up the um, scholarship situation for everybody and kind of play along at home. So um, we're going to assume Jonte Porter leaves after his sophomore season. We're going to assume, as has been rumored, that Parker Brown, Braun, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, we're going to assume that he gets this rumored scholarship because he's a preferred walk-on this year. So that leaves us with three uh, three scholarships to go out for the 2019 class. So we've got our list in front of us. So we're talking EJ, we're talking Mario McKinney, Rocket Watts, that class. So we got three spots. We have Kevin Perrier, Cullen Van Leer, Jordan Geist and Jonte Porter leaving. So first, I'll go through what I think is my personal wish list. For those three spots, if you're going to pick any three guys. Number one would have to be EJ Liddell. He fills that that Kevin Perrier spot. I think he could come in from day one and be Kevin Perrier as a junior, honestly. Um, maybe not play that many minutes, but he could contribute at a high level for 20 minutes a game right off the bat. Then I would go with Rocket Watts on the wish list. I mean, you heard me gush over him earlier. He's everything you would want in a college point guard. And it would be interesting to see him in the same backcourt with uh, uh, Torrance Watson and see the dynamic with him and Xavier Pinson. But um, and of course, Drew Smith. But I think you could hand the keys over to him day one and and still have success. And then he's not the highest rated guy left, but I would still wish for Mario McKinney because he's Mizzou. He just seems like the Mizzou guy through and through, the high energy guy out of St. Louis. You want to keep those connections strong. So my wish list that I would hope for would be EJ Liddell, Mario McKinney, and Rocket Watts for 2019. I think my wish list is pretty similar to yours, but uh, so I'm going to say EJ Liddell and Rocket Watts are no-brainers. Um, I, you know, obviously every Missouri fan is, is want, wants those guys on their team, but I'm going to say that I'd wish we had Malik Hall over Mario McKinney. I think Malik Hall is just the prototypical college basketball player with 
tremendous upside. Um, I would love to have him. Don't think we will. Um, but I really would like to see Mario McKinney in a Mizzou uniform as well. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because we can't have all four of those guys. And that Malik would probably be right there as fourth on my list or interchangeable with Mario. But there's just something about his, his energy and that sort of undersized underdog type that, that makes me want him to suit up in black and gold for sure. And then as far as predictions, this is tough because my heart wants to predict EJ to Missouri. The fact that Ohio State is out there lurking gives me pause. Uh, The easiest prediction for the class of 2019 is to put Mario McKinney in a Missouri uniform. So that'll be my first prediction. I'll let you make your first prediction. I'm also going to go with Mario McKinney. I think that if Mizzou wants him, he's a lock. Then, looking at the list, I'm going to predict that Missouri misses on EJ Liddell and everybody gets sad. But then we turn that around and get a commitment from Trey Jackson. And I think that won't be as bad. Everybody will be sad if we miss EJ. But I think getting a guy like Trey Jackson would... Uh, everybody would sort of forget about EJ. Let him go to the Big Ten. People would people would remember Trey Jackson. I'm going to predict that we get Isaiah Mosley. I think um, him being in Columbia, just in our backyard, like we talked about earlier, it's too much of a risk to pass on him. And... I think he showed well in the Peach Jam, and I, I think that he's got another season to prove himself. Um, I think he'd be a decent pickup, and I, I think Missouri will pick him up. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we still have another year for him to develop and see where he goes. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about a uh, Missouri Valley caliber player, but um, I mean, he's still just about to start his senior year of high school, so um, he could definitely develop into a guy that would be a really good asset for Missouri. So that's not a bad prediction at all. My third guy, as bad as I want to predict Rocket Watts to Missouri, I'm going to predict Rocket Watts to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that would be huge. I think we will finally see the Cornell man connection shine with Michigan. That would and be I think, huge. Yeah, and I think if we get a, a core in that, class of Rocket Watts, Mario McKinney, and Trey Jackson, that'll be looked at. When it's all said and done, that'll be looked at as far as production over their career in a similar way as some of the best recruiting classes Missouri's seen in the last 15 years. Maybe not the total number of wins as a Kim English, Marcus Denman class, but up there as far as impact each each game that they're in. In my out-on-a-limb prediction, is uh, going to be EJ Liddell. I think that Conzo's been on him early and often um, enough to where I, I think EJ and Conzo have a really good relationship. I think he, like like you mentioned, would be a fantastic uh, replacement for Kevin Perrier. I think he would find immediate minutes at Mizzou, and I'm sure Conzo's told him that. Um, I think that... Some of the top-tier programs will hold off on him. And in the end, I think they'll be there till the end, but I think he'll pick Mizzou. Um, 
maybe over Ohio State um, in the end. So. I definitely hope you're right. So we'll we'll keep track of those and uh, look back on it as people start cutting down their lists, and uh, then eventually we'll do a little uh, little of that for the 2020 class as well. So it will it'll be interesting to see what develops with each of these guys moving forward. All right. Well, that's all I've got for this week, um, for this episode. So I appreciate everybody listening in. Thanks for joining us. Um, as, as news comes out, we'll sort of, uh, stockpile a little bit of, uh, information for you guys and probably looking at a couple posts a month, hopefully get, uh, three or four in before football season starts. And then as the games start rolling out, we will, we'll be looking at probably a weekly schedule where we're, um, previewing the next game, recapping the previous, and then even more so when uh, football and basketball start overlapping. So pretty excited for that. Um, Kyle, won't you let them know where they can find you on Twitter? All right. Yeah. You guys probably know me as uh, Mizzou Sports One on Twitter. Um, reach out to us on there. Uh, tell us what you liked. Tell us what you don't like. Be easy on us. <laughs> We're a tender-hearted gentleman. So um, but seriously, tell us what you want to hear about. Um, Maybe what uh, you want us to talk about or you know, any questions you want us to answer. Uh, we're just a couple of passionate fans like you guys are out there. So, again, you can um, find me at Mizzou Sports One on Twitter. And just throw out your own predictions. If you have ideas for what you think the 2019 class will look like or your wish list, let us know. Um, you can follow me. I don't tweet exclusively about Mizzou, but um, I'd love to engage with anybody um, at C underscore Albert 08 on Twitter. And uh, that's it for this week. Thanks, everyone.